You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. Amen. Well, come with me in your Bibles to uh, the Gospel of Luke chapter 15. Gospel of Luke chapter 15. Um, The title of my message this morning is Hearts of Fathers. Hearts of Fathers. I was praying, you know, what, what to speak this morning. I really felt God say, I want you to preach Sunday morning at East Campus on hearts of fathers, hearts of fathers. It'll make sense. Luke 15, we're going to read from verse 11. It says, a certain man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. Let me read that again. He says to his father, father, give me. So he acknowledges his father. He acknowledges him. Father, give me my inheritance now. (laughs) The father's like, hang on a minute. Like I'm still alive. You, You know you don't get the inheritance. But the son is like, as far as I'm concerned, you're dead to me. Now, Jesus is telling this story in the context of trying to describe the the condition, the dilemma of the human race between us and God. And God is that father that that even though he's alive, most people live like God is dead to them. They, they, they want God's stuff. They want his earth. They want his gold. They want his silver. They want his jewels. They want his oil. They want his resources. They want his abundance. They want his blessings. They just don't want him. And that's, that's why Jesus is telling the story. And so he, in the story, you're going to see the heart of a father. The reason I, I felt the Holy Spirit speaking to me that this was the message for today is because if I was really honest with you, If I look back on my life, my life is literally, my life is literally the product of the messes and the mistakes that I had made because of a broken father, because his father was a broken father. And and because I never heard, I'm proud of you, because I never heard, I love you, because he never heard those words. He didn't know how to be a father. He, he, he had no problem making a baby. But how many people know that just becoming a father doesn't mean that you can be a father? And so, so I look back at the, the sins. I look back at all the, the people that I used because I was so broken. And I was trying to, to fill something on the inside, thinking if I could take it from other people, if I could seduce women, if I could... But how many people know all you do is you just leave holes. You've just taken bites and there are people walking around that I've taken a bite out of and it didn't fill me. It just left a bite out of them. It just left a mess out of them. But when I came to Christ when I was 18, when I came to Christ, I didn't just get saved. The Bible says that that I came into his house. I came into his house we, we can say, well, you know, we're building a, a brand new and it's going to be finished by the end of this month in the name of Jesus Christ. It's going to be finished by the end of this month in the name of Jesus. And we can say, man, what a great house this is. What a great house. But you need to understand in the Bible, a house isn't just a dwelling. A house is a lineage. Jesus came from the house of David. 
Jesus's mama and papa, Joseph and Mary, came from the house, the lineage of David. So a house isn't just a dwelling. A house is a family. When I came into the house, the family, the lineage of God, I began to discover the heart of a perfect father. And as I began to allow him to heal and deal with the brokenness, the dysfunction, the devastation in my heart, I began to find that that healing meant that I stopped taking bites out of other people to fill what was missing in me. He began to fill and heal what was missing and what was broken in me so that instead of taking bites, I found myself being a blessing to other people. It's the exact reverse. And so this message is so powerful this morning because I, I want to show you the contrast of what happens in this story. So the Bible says that not many days after getting his check from his daddy, and what, what a great God that God gives us free will. Yeah. It, 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 there's, there's some Christian theology out there, some, some religious theology out there that says that you don't have free will. It's the biggest load of nonsense. That everything that God, you know, God is sovereign and everything. Here's a story where it's not the father's will that the son leaves. But God is so benevolent. Here's how I... The time. Oh, Jesus. How many people here have ever read in the Bible and talks about the fear of the Lord? The fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord isn't that God is a cranky, you know, capricious, you know, temper tantrum throwing God. And you've got to be like... Fearful, like don't get on God's wrong side, don't don't rub him up the wrong. That's that's not the fear of God. That's not the fear of God. The fear of God is knowing that there's a loving God, but He's also a God of righteousness and justice. The fear of God literally is this, Daniel, that God will give you what you want. You might say, well, that's a good thing. Well. The prodigal son wanted out, and God gave him what he wanted. Do you know, there really is a hell. I know it's not popular. Don't talk about hell. I don't believe a loving God would send people to hell, and you're almost right. The Bible says that God created hell for the devil and his angels. God never created hell for human habitation. God created hell, Matthew 25, for the devil and And for his angels, he never created hell for human habitation. But there are humans in hell. And they're in hell, not because God sent them there, but God gave them what they wanted. They wanted nothing to do with God. They wanted nothing to do with him. They wanted nothing to do with his plans, with his purposes. And what is hell? Hell is the place where God isn't. God has created a place in the universe where he's withdrawn his presence. The Bible says in his presence is the fullness of joy. Hell is a is a joyless place. It is a place of torment. It is a place of anguish. It is a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. The Bible says God is light and in him there is... The Bible says that hell is a place of darkness, so dark that it can be felt. The Bible says that that, that God is love. Hell is a place of hate and fear and hostility. 
hell is is the place where God isn't and people that end up in hell end up in hell not because there was no savior not because there was no rescue mission but because they rejected the savior rejected the rescue mission and they were determined they wanted to go to a place where God is and they didn't want anything to do with God and so ultimately God gives them what they want this is what I began to discover in my life that God will give you whatever you want. If you read Romans 1, it says, and so because they didn't honor God as God and, and stop worshiping the creator, but start worshiping the creature and then made, elevated the creatures to, to Godhood, God gave them over to a depraved mind. And then from that, that wasn't enough. So then they began to, to get into all kinds of debauchery. So God gave them over to God. They, they, and then God gave them what they wanted. God will give you what you want, but it may destroy your life. That's why the Bible says, Psalm 37 verse 4 says, Delight yourself in the, and He will give you the desires of you. You'll, you'll find that, that your heart it continually desires. If I was honest with you, can I be honest? If I was honest with you, my heart doesn't stop desiring. Buddhism says that the 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 the, the Malady of existence is desire, that if we can do away with desire, then, you know, we, we achieve nirvana. You know, we become one. You know, we... Sorry, were you taking a photo, Michael? I can't hold it forever. Did you get it? You got it already? Okay. So... So I just thought, how, how, do you become a, how do you become an on-fire Buddhist? Man, I just got a desire to do away with... Just, oh, man... Because you've got to have a desire to do away with desire. So you're already screwed before it even starts. But I found that my heart doesn't stop desiring. But you can desire someone else's wife. You, you can desire what someone else has. That's called covetousness. You can, you can desire success and fame and... But it's not, it's not the issue because you'll find when you get to the success and the fame, it came out of something that was broken and you had to crush all these people on your way there only to find when you get there, it's empty because it's not the fame and the success. It's actually a daddy wound that you never got healed in your heart. So that's why the Bible says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you, literally he will purify the desire. God doesn't want you to not live with desire. The Bible says a desire fulfilled is like a tree of life. God wants you, come on. I, I, I desire my bride and I live in heaven. I desire being a daddy and I have four magnificent children. I desire to serve Jesus and I love our church. I desire to have great friendships and Michael and Lisa are my friends. I desire to, to, to be in the company of mighty men. And I was at Emerge Ranch seeing 2,700 warriors pressing into God. I just. You will find that as you serve God, the desires are just incredible. Don't let the enemy take you out. So this young man says, you know, give me the, 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 give me the portion of the goods. So he, so he goes away. Not many days after that, he goes away to a far country. And he begins to waste his possessions on prodigal living. The word prodigal literally means wasteful. So he begins to waste his possessions getting wasted on wasteful living. Can I just tell you, if you said to me, hey, pastor, what's the, what's the pathway to increase? We, we, we heard beautiful elders' message this morning, 
and, and you know, on finance and the battles and the struggles, man, I, I don't want to have lack. I want to have abundance is, is prodigal living is getting wasted and living wastefully the key. The Bible says that, that this, this kid began to, to live or expend everything he had on wasteful living until he ran out of money. And the Bible says that there was a famine in the land. And when he realized all his resources had gone, the next verse says, so then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country who sent him out into the field to feed swine. This, this, Jesus is intentionally being provocative. I get a little bit of permission out of that if I was honest with you. Because I'm like, if Jesus is intentionally provocative, I'm, I want to be like Jesus. So that's why I'm a little bit provocative and naughty sometimes into just pushing the envelope. That's why I don't apologize for wearing Trump wristbands in church. <laughs> people say to me, people say to me, Path, you gotta be neutral. You can't wear a Trump wristband. I'm, like, I'm not neutral. I'm not neutral. What are you talking about? <laughs> neutral and neutered are almost identical. I'm not gonna be neutered up here. I'm gonna tell you. Anyway, so. So Jesus telling a story. So, so, so Jesus had been provocative because the shame for a Jewish man in the marketplace to say, hey, how, how, how's your son? How's, how's Johnny doing? How's Herschel? Hey, your son Herschel. He's on there. What's he doing now? Hey, he's feeding the swine. He's what? He's feeding the swine. I can't believe it. He went to the rabbi and the rabbi, you allowed this? You know, and so he's little Herschel. He's out there feeding swine. It's embarrassing. It's a shame because the, the, the swine was an unclean animal, the lowest of all, the most disgraceful. And so right now all the listeners are, man, we need to, when that kid comes, we need to stone that kid. We need to, that is, he's brought shame on his family. And the Bible says that while he's out there feeding the swine, the famine had grown so bad, he's lost, his friends were there in Vegas when he was partying. But now that the money's run out, his friends have also run out. So were they really friends in the first place? And the Bible says he looked at the pig slop and he longed to fill his stomach on the pig slop, but nobody gave him anything. And then the Bible says he came to himself. Verse 17. When he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare? And here I am perishing with hunger. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to get up and go back to my father's house. And I'm going to say to my father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. Please make me like one of your hired servants. Make me like one of your hired servants. Just in the next few minutes, I just really quickly want to land on, on some forethought specifically. But I need you to understand that the, the, the son began to realize that the world is empty. The world is empty. Emerge Ranch, there's nothing magical about that piece of land. It wasn't like when, when we drove in, you know, there was, ah, ah, you know, it wasn't like, ah, it wasn't like there were angels, you know, around there. 
or, you know, or a light shining down from heaven onto the land. It was just land. It was just land. But because when we bought the land, we dedicated that land. We dedicated that land to this is a land where men can have an encounter. That, that, that we prayed over the land. We anointed that land. We, 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 offerings, sacrificial offerings have been given on that land. Men have dedicated. So that land, believe it or not, has, has attracted holiness. So men will feel like there's something magical on the land. And, and they're partly right. Because that land, what we've done is we, we, we've, we've created an open heaven over it. One of the first things, Elder, that, that God did in Genesis is the Bible says that he separated the waters above from the waters beneath. He separated the waters above from the waters beneath. You would think, well, what's the point? What's, why, why separate them? Water is water. H2O is H2O. You know, water, excuse me, water. In Australia, say water. But I oh, know it's water. So he separates the waters above from the waters beneath. But both of them, both of them have the same chemical compound. Both of them, H2O, H2O. However, however, the waters beneath became the seas. Became the seas. You can't drink the water of the seas. Now, you can go 40 days without food, but you can't go more than three days without water. So the reason, sweetheart, the waters were separated above and beneath was to get us to realize that the world, if you drink seawater, it doesn't quench. It only makes you more thirsty. You and I are dependent on the waters above. That's why the Bible says bring the tithe. When you bring the tithe, when we bring the tithe into the storehouse, God says, test me if I will not flow open the windows of of heaven, Hashemaim, Hashemaim, the heavens, Shemaim is heavenly water, sky waters, that's the Hebrew word, Maim is water, Sham is sky, it's the sky waters, so when we bring the tithe, God opens the windows of heaven, and he pours out, because the earth is filled with salt, it's filled with, God cursed the ground, Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, and God says, cursed be the ground for your sake, most people say God cursed man, God did not curse man, because God is not bipolar or schizophrenic. Because one chapter earlier or two chapters earlier, Genesis 1.28, God blessed man and said, God cannot curse what he has blessed. God blessed man. God walks in. You are meant to walk in blessing. It's in the house of God. You learn how to unlock the blessing that you're meant to walk in. So, so because the earth was cursed, thorns and thistles out of the sweat of your brow, out of toil, the land will yield to you its increase. So they were driven from the garden of the good Good news is man was driven from the garden but invited into a house. God has built a house and it is a house of blessing. It is a house of breakthrough. It is a house of salvation. It is a house of deliverance. It is a house of healing. It is a house of prosperity. It is a house of abundance. It is a house of restoration. It is a house of increase. It is a house where you flourish. So you come, you come out of the garden into the house. The son says, I'm going to go back to my father's house because what I've noticed in the father's house is the servants in that father's house have bread enough and to spare. One of the, one of the things that we continuously get uh, railed on and attacked on, and I know it's, it's satanic. 
I know it's from the devil. Now, just because it was spoken by a Christian, don't be deceived and think, well, if a Christian said it, it's got to come from God. Because Jesus said to Simon Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. The Bible says that Satan entered Judas's heart. We get this all the time that, oh, they're like Joel Osteen, aren't they? They're the prosperity church. They preach a prosperity gospel. Don't go to awaken. It's amazing. At, at North Campus, oh, my goodness, it's so awesome. Because there's another pastor up in North County and his church keeps shrinking. Because he rails on the fact that Dr. Matt Hubbard, our, our North Campus pastor, our San Marcos pastor, drives a Maserati. Now he's got, you know, he was a, a successful chiropractor and an entrepreneur before we ordained him as a pastor. And, I, and he's like, Do I, I said, don't quit. Why would you quit? Why would you quit? Keep those things. Keep a footprint in the marketplace. It'll, pe- people that only, that are only get a bit weird. I said, I don't, want you, I don't want you weird. I like you. And I said, if you ever have too much money, I said, we'll just invite you to Vision Builders. If you go like, man, I've got too much money. I don't know what to, we can help you spend it. We've always got a vision. Come on, how many people know you can't have too much, but you can have not enough? Okay, only half of you got that, but it's true. You can have not enough money. And the only, listen, if, if you have too much money, it means you don't have enough vision and you don't have enough purpose. You can't have too much money. You can just have not enough vision, not enough purpose. All right, I'm going to be naughty. I'm not meant to preach this yet. I haven't developed this. But the word of the Lord came to me. The most, the most destructive voice I've seen that have, that have derailed, woke, weak, insecure pastors is what I call the vocally blind. The vocally blind. I don't understand why world vision needs ships. Why would World Vision need ships? That, why, why are they spending hundreds of millions of dollars sort of on ships? Why does World... I don't think World Vision needs ships. No, no. World Vision doesn't need ships. But the impoverished nations, the World Vision fills wheat and seed and bread and food and medical supplies and resources to go and minister those people that's why they need you uh, we had a guy this just this last week one of our successful business guy uh, closed on a 10,000 square foot home and somebody said to him I don't know why you need a 10,000 square and he said it almost like and I said no no that's a vocally blind person blind people can still speak what is blind do not have vision yeah you're right he doesn't need a 10,000. He probably doesn't even need a 5,000. Probably doesn't even need a 2,000. If it was just about him. But because he's an eMERGE captain, 
because he's a Pathfinder leader, the amount of events that he's able to host in his home, the amount of people that are able to walk in and hear the testimony and the story. He's got four kids. What his children are able to do with hosting youth group and, and uh, junior high events and parties at their house. The vocally blind say, I don't see why he... Yeah, well, I'm not lowering my vision down to what you can't see. Just because you can't see kingdom purpose... Let, 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 let me... Because I, I, can, I can feel like I'm pushing on something, so let me... Jesus said, I want you to go across town, go down a street called Straight. There you're going to find a colt. There you're going to find a, a, a baby donkey. Untie it. And if, any, if, if, if anyone says to you, hey, what are you doing? He says, if anyone. If anyone says to you, hey, what are you doing? Say to them, the master has need of it and bring it to me. The Bible says the disciples follow the instruction, go down the street called Stray, they go there, and, and then he, he, here's the donkey. Here's, here's the, the, the colt. No one has ever ridden on this thing. It's brand new. It's a brand new car. So they untie it. And the Bible says, and when the men nearby saw them untie, they said, hey, why are you untying the donkey? And they said to him, because the master has need of it. Why are you untying that? You don't need that. You're right. We don't need that. But the master, the master is about to get onto that donkey and he's about to ride it into Yerushalayim. He's about to ride it where the people are going to say, Hosanna, Hosanna. In the highest, Savior, Savior in the highest, he's about to ride into Jerusalem. When you don't see kingdom purpose, you will live in, I don't understand why they need that. Why don't I need, you, you, I don't understand why they need a new building. What's wrong with this building? I don't understand why they need to have a kid's shirt. I don't understand why they've got to have a cafe. Why don't they have to, I don't, because you, the vocally, the people without, the saddest thing that's happened, Michael, in churches is I see pastors acquiesce, genuflect to that spirit. I'm telling you, if you carry that, your voice, well, I'm going to ignore you. Mute. I ain't listening because I understand kingdom purpose. I understand that every resource, every piece of land, why do they have to have 240 acres? We're getting the 240. We're going to have 500 acres. Why do we? Because the more we, the more we can do for the kingdom of God. It is, if it's just about me, but it's about him. So God redeems the ground. We, we are dependent upon the heavens, the heavenly waters. When you bring your tithe, when you bring your offering, you unlock the heavenly over your life. There's something about the Father's house. I want you to know and just receive this word today that every single person in Awaken, you sit under a teaching, you sit under an anointing because I grew up in a home where my daddy was an atheist. I didn't grow up going to church. I never went to church, but I got saved on a beach, not in church because God knew if he was waiting for me to come to church, he'd be waiting forever. So he left the church and tracked me down on a beach and got me saved through Christian service. And then he said, you need to go to church. You need to get into my house. And I came into his house. So, 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 so the doctrine that, that I have is, is one of just discovery as I read the Bible. And people say, well, you know, the gifts aren't for, the, for today. And I'm like, well, that's weird. It doesn't say, well, you know, the Holy Spirit, he's just an it. The Holy Spirit is not an it. Jesus says when a demon leaves a man, 
he goes out to dry and arid places, seeking rest and finds none. Then he says to himself, I'm going to go back to the house that's been swept clean. But to get back in, I've got to take seven spirits more wicked than himself. So Jesus refers to demons as personalities. And then there are cults and even some Christian folks that call the Holy Spirit it. The Holy Spirit, he, he is... Anyway, and so... So I didn't... But I want you to know, I want you to want to prophesy that in this house, your marriage, your family, your finances, your health, your life. In this house, you're going to pinch yourself and say, my God, I had no idea that... Is even legal, Pastor? I don't think what you're preaching is legal because my life is that good. The world told me you can only have life this good out there. You've got to be high to be that happy. No, no. Jesus is the most high. Doesn't get any higher than that. The Bible says, don't be drunk on wine in which is dissipated. Instead, be filled with the Holy Ghost. The Bible says, in His presence is fullness of joy. So the Son goes back to the Father. Okay, I've got to behave. Um, so the Son goes back to the Father. This is beautiful. He goes back to the Father. He goes back to the Father. And the Bible says, when the Father saw Him a long way off, the Father ran to Him, fell on His neck and kissed Him. And the Son goes through what He rehearsed. The, the Son gets on His knees. And he can't even look at the Father and he says, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Can I just tell you, everything in your life shifts. Everything in your life changes at the, at the juncture of give me when give me becomes make me. The mess began when he said, give me. If you said, how do, I, how, how do I live a screwed up, jacked up, messed up life with a trail of mess behind me? I would say become a getter. Just live to get. Just go out on, on weekends, womanizing. Just live to get. Just burn through one business. Don't be loyal to that boss. Why would you be loyal to that boss? There, there's another job. There's another career. There's another. Just, just you know, screw people over. Just you know, walk over the top of people. Just give me. Give me. Me the center. But he, he moves from give me to discipleship. What's discipleship? Discipleship is make me. God, make me the husband my wife needs me to be. God, make me the father my sons and my daughter needs me to be. God, make me the employee Barrett needs me to be. God, make me the friend Jake Shooty needs me to be. God, make me the leader Michael Hundley needs me to be. God, make me the pastor San Diego needs. When you move from give me to make me, everything shifts. But I want you to notice something about the father. The son says, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be your son. Therefore, make me like one of your hired servants. The son, the, the last thing we know, the revelation came when he looked at the pig slop. When he was looking at the pig slop and he realized, my God, what am I doing here? Ah, I want to I fill my stomach with pig slop. 
and my boss won't even let me eat some of the pig slop lest I pay for it. And he said, if he catches me eating the pig slop, he's going to fire me for stealing. He says, no one gave him anything. And when he looked at the pig slop, he saw a reflection of his choices, his decisions, his vices, his addictions, his rebellion. And then he says, my God, I'm not worthy to be my father's son anymore. But I don't want to live like this. I know in my father's house, there's prosperity. In my father's house, there's blessing. In my father's house, the marriages. In my, I walked into church and I'm seeing the, the, the ushers and they're smiling. I'm seeing the welcome team and they're smiling. Even the parking team is smiling. Oh, they're happy. I'm not, I'm going to go, I'm just going to be a servant in the father's house. So he says, Father, make me a servant. The father doesn't respond to the son. The father responds, but he, he says to his servants, he doesn't say to the son, he says to the servants, go and get the, come on somebody, go and get the, the best robe. Bring the best robe and put it on him. He was covered in pig slop and filth, stank to high heaven. When I came to Jesus Christ, I, I was covered in my sin, in my iniquity. I was I, I, the stench of shame and guilt was over my life. And I came saying, I'm no longer, I'm not worthy, I know I'm not worthy to be a son. I'll settle for a servant. I want you to notice that the Bible doesn't say. The father says, bring him a clean garment. It doesn't say the father says, bring a new garment. How many people know that, that we are new in Christ? If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. But the language there isn't bring out a new robe. It doesn't say bring out a clean robe. What does it say? All right, watch this. When I came to Jesus, Daniel, in my filth, in my sin, in my transgression, in my shame, in my guilt, He didn't just take my filth off me and put a clean robe. He didn't just take my filth off me and put a new robe. He, he, he took that off and He put the best robe. Hang on, hang on. What, what, what's the best robe? 2 Corinthians 5.21 says that God made Him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to become sin. That we might be the what? The righteousness of? The righteousness of God. He, 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 didn't just, he didn't just put a robe on that says you're forgiven. He didn't just put a robe on me and says you're clean. He put a robe on me that says I'm the righteousness of God. He put a robe on me that says as perfect as I am is how perfect you are. How holy I am is how holy you are. How righteous I am is how... I'm wearing this thing. I know I didn't earn it. I don't deserve it. In fact, if I was honest with you, I feel like he's maybe lost his mind a little bit. He's out of touch with reality. I just came from rebellion. I just came from waste, getting wasted. I just came from the pig slop. I came from dishonoring you. I came from bringing shame on you and your house. You don't just put a robe on me. You put the best robe on me. The best robe on me. I don't deserve what you put on me.
The robe is identity. The robe is identity. It's, it's the equivalent of a royal robe. Everywhere this boy walks, that's the, is that the father? No, he looks too young. Oh, that's the father's son. He looks, he looks like the father until he gets caught. And then we realize, oh, no, 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 that's the father's son. When we looked at the robe, we thought we saw the father. That's the father's robe. When he walks down the street, men bow because this is a man of honor. This is a man of success. This is a man of land and territory. This is a, this is a man that, is, that has wisdom and is respected in the marketplace. We thought it was your daddy and then we saw it was you. But because, you, because we honor your daddy, even though the mess you made, even though the sins you committed, even though the shame, because you're wearing that robe, we must. We have to honor because the robe says you're the father's son. It's identity. When you catch this, you can spend years in church and not catch this. You're not just forgiven. You're not just washed clean. God has not just restored you. He hasn't just put a clean robe or a new robe. He's put the best robe on you. You, you look like the Father. You look like the Father. You walk in royalty. Your identity is you are a son. You are a daughter of the Most High. You are a prince or a princess in the earth. When you can catch that. I'm so in trouble. Barrett, I'm so in trouble. Michael's never going to let me preach again. I'm over time for the second time. Then the next, that doesn't stop. That would have been enough. I would, I would have quit. I would have been, that's enough. That's enough. The second thing is, then he says, he gives the ring and says, put a ring on his finger. Oh, no, 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 Papa, Papa. Papa, no, no, no. The ring in those days is like the, the business credit card, the, the black Amex, the, the platinum Amex credit card. Hang on, whoa, 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 whoa. He just squandered everything. You just gave him millions and he spent it all. And the father puts a ring on his finger so that if he went to Home Depot and says, I'm going to build a house on, on, our, on our property and I need this much timber and this many nails and I need a whole new set of tools and I need to hire some people. How are you going to pay for that? He's got the ring on his finger. It's, got the, it's called authority. It's called authority. Listen to me. I know I'm over time. Listen to me. One of the saddest things, Daniel, is churches that don't teach this because of their own maybe guilt and shame around material things or a longing for material things. But I know I had nothing and I know what God asks me to give every year. Giving is the greatest way to ward off greed. But here's what I know, that there's an authority on you. You are the son of the most high. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. If you don't have something, it just means you haven't used your authority yet. If you don't have, God has given you authority to take land, to own homes, to break the spirit of death, to flourish, to prosper. You have authority over devils, over demons. Don't coexist with demons. Don't coexist. Don't, don't settle for a second-rate marriage or a bit. You can have the very best. And that doesn't mean you trade spouses. No, no, no. In fact, you'll find it's not her. It's every problem in my marriage that I thought was Leanne. He was, oh, no, it's me. 
I'm like, God, there's something wrong with Leanne. He's like, have a look in the mirror and I'll show you whose fault it is. I'm like, what the heck? She's not here. And the third one, sandals on the feet. Feet is authority. Feet is purpose. Feet is where you walk out your authority. Every place the sole of your foot shall tread, I've given you. I've got authority on you, but you got to walk into something. you got to believe for something. you got to take a step of faith into something. There's authority on you, but that authority is exercised when you begin to... So I'm going to put some sandals on your feet, boy, so you can begin to take territory. Go and get your marriage back. Go and get your children back. Go and get your finances back. Go and, go and get out of the rent cycle and get into the owning cycle. Go and begin to flourish. Go and begin to start that business start again and then the last one and this one is not preached in churches every time I've heard this message preached they finish on the third one because the fourth one is kind of only awakened church really is kind of bold enough to preach this one the fourth one he says and go slaughter the fatted calf go and slaughter the fatted calf we should party shan't we Let's throw a, a giant shindig, darling. Uh, let's go and have some fresh meat, darling. Go and slaughter the fatted calf and let us make merry. For my son was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Let me say this. Let me say this. I've got to finish. Let me say this. God is trying to get through to us that your life is worth celebrating. You are worth celebrating on your birthday. You know you're living right and you know you're in a right house when there are people sitting around your table singing happy birthday to you. When there are people writing cards saying this world is better because you were born into it. That's God's purpose for your life. You should have people celebrating you. In fact, you are really, really prosperous and you are really, really rich when it's not your birthday and people are celebrating you. When it's not your birthday and just because. If you want to bless your wife, you take her out on a date night. It's not, it's not, it's not Valentine's Day. It's not our anniversary. I know, but I just can't help celebrating you, who you are to my life, who you are to our kids, who you are in my world got better the day you were. Celebrating people. The Bible says when just one sinner repents, there's more celebration in heaven, in the presence of God and the angels. Come on, how many people know that we're meant to we're meant to be on earth as it is in heaven? If heaven celebrates your life, how much more should we on earth celebrate your life? You are worth celebrating. You are worth celebrating. I've gone way over time. Michael's doing this to me. Can you believe it? Thought he was my friend. Would you close your eyes behind your head? If you're here today. Friend, I'm telling you, I, 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 I promise, all I preached was the Bible. But I tried to preach it without a religious lens. Jesus didn't die to create a new religion. In fact, He really died to free us from religion so He could restore a relationship with the Father that sometimes religion gets in the way. Religion quite often is all about what disqualifies us. Jesus says, my death on the cross is the entryway by which you can have a relationship with the Father. If you're here today and you need that, not new robe, not white robe, not clean robe, but that best robe 
I want to pray for you today. If you've never surrendered to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want you to know today is your day. If you're not in the Father's house, if you're still out there working against thorns and thistles and curses and and struggle and battle and getting, getting only to find the more I get, the more empty I feel, but the more bites I see that I've taken out of people, today is your day. If you're here today, And you're just saying, I need to come back to my father's house. I need to move from give me to make me. I want to pray for you. So if you're any one of those four categories, well, every head is bowed, every eye closed. Would you raise your hand? Say, Pastor, that's me. And I'm going to say a prayer for you. Who are those ones? Lift it high. Thank you. Thank you. Who else is there? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Who else? They lift it high. Thank you, sir. I see that hand. Thank you. Thank you, darling. I see your hand. Who else is there? Quickly shoot it up high. Thank you. Thank you. Who else is there? Thank you. I see that hand. Who else is there? Thank you. I feel like there's somebody else. Who is that one? Quickly, just shoot it up. Thank you. Yes, I see your hand. Anybody else? Thank you. Who else? Quickly, quickly. I'm, I'm so out of time, but I, I want to pray. I feel like there's somebody else. Who is that one? Thank you in there, sir. I see that hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I see those hands. Still feel like there's somebody else. God's tugging on somebody's heart. Your head and your heart are right now having an argument. Can I say, listen to your heart. Roxette had it right. Listen to your heart. When he's calling on you, listen to your heart. There's nothing else you can do. I don't know where you're going. I don't know why. But listen to your heart before you tell him goodbye. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you all the way up the back. Thank you. Church, can we do this? Can we stand to our feet? I've got to hand back to Mike. The band's about to sing a song. Those of you that raised your hands, I want to pray for you today personally and powerfully. But logistically, for me to get to each and every single one of you, it's... it's... But we can do, we can make it easier. If I get down off this platform and if you meet me half, kind of halfway, I'm going to stand down here on the floor. Band's going to sing a song. People are going to sing. If you raise your hand, I want you to grab a friend and say, hey, I raised my hand. Would you walk with me? Pastor's going to shake my hand and pray for me. If you brought someone that raised their hand, offer to walk with them. If you brought someone that should have raised their hand, offer to walk with them. I'm still going to pray for them. If you're sitting by yourself and you raise your hand, you come and I'm going to stand with you and be your friend. If... You would have raised your hand knowing pastor was going to pray. You come. But church, let's put our hands together for all those that raise their hands as you begin to come up the back and on the sides. Come on, let's put our hands together as they come. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.